Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. So as we talked about, we are vowing and supporting the church with these different things. But as we start our discussion into presents, and not like Christmas morning presents, but showing up presents, um, as I know some people said, oh, cool, like getting gifts. I said, no, 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 that's, that's next week. Um, but our presence of being here, we're going to talk about something you may, may or may not remember, the pandemic. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, a pretty wild time, right? It was a pretty weird time. There was a lot that happened in what we thought was going to be a pretty short amount of time, and then it ended up kind of growing into a bigger time. And thankfully, we are out of it, and that is something that we can look back on. Um, and as we look back on it, I, I want to acknowledge a couple things about it. First thing is that the pandemic was a time of sadness um, in a lot of ways. There is a lot of sadness that comes to mind when we think about the pandemic. We had thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who lost their lives um, from this virus in tragic ways. Um, there were families that were split apart, maybe because it was the loss of a family member. Maybe it was just because of different views. Um, I know of some of this still going on today, families that are still kind of split because of stuff that happened during the pandemic. Uh, there were a lot of inequalities that got brought to the surface and a lot of sadness that is still being even dealt with today. So very much so, the pandemic was a time, and still is in the sense, a time of sadness. Pandemic was also a time of unknown. I feel like every week there was a new kind of report that was coming out, a new way to encounter maybe other people, when we had, I remember reading reports about you go to the grocery store, how should you bring the groceries back into the house, what should you do? Um, there were different ways that we had to figure out how to keep ourselves safe, you know, social distancing. There were different reports about how we should work from home in a healthy manner, right? We're working from home. Some of you had to figure out how to work from home while also being like a school teacher at the same time because kids were at home as well because they couldn't go to school. So this was very much so a, a time of unknown, and we had to figure a lot of stuff out. We even had to figure out how to ration toilet paper. Remember that? Yeah. You know, these people are just hoarding to toilet paper, and so we had to figure out, okay, you know, yeah, we got to ration this stuff. Uh, I never thought we would be in that place, but we were there, um, and thankfully we learned a lot from that. But then lastly, the pandemic was also a time of DIY, right? Do it yourself. A lot of these projects maybe that you did around your house, you're just there, you're staring at these projects that you knew you wanted to get done for years and years, and you thought, you know what, let's just, let's just try it, let's just go for it, let's just Google it or look up a YouTube video and let's just try to figure that out. Who here did a DIY project during the pandemic? Okay, 
a couple of you. Who thought, no way, uh, I just, yeah, I'm not going to give that a whirl. Who started a DIY project and ended up having to pay more money because you had to have somebody come in, yeah, and fix the mistake? Yeah, there's, yeah. I appreciate your honesty in that. Yeah, I didn't think anybody would raise his hand, but yeah, I, I might have been in that category too. Uh, here's some statistics. I'll talk a little bit about how much this uh, increased over that time. So 76% of homeowners had one home improvement project during the pandemic. 60% of U.S. shoppers started a project around the house in that month of March 2020, and it peaked at 74% in May of the same year. More statistics say that online sales of home improvement and gardening retail products in the UK grew 50% from March 9th to 15th of 2020 compared to the same period a year before. And then 50% of homeowners said they learned new skills doing DIY projects around the house. So whether that new skill was drywall or laying tile or plumbing or electrical, whatever it may have been, we all learn a lot during that pandemic. But one thing, as much as we tried, I think highlighted that there was one thing we could not do it yourself. And that was connection. That was community. That was being with one another. I think at first it started out that it was kind of like, hey, this is kind of different. Um, you know, maybe I can spend some more time and kind of get my life together, but I think Ultimately, after a couple weeks and months, and even as the years passed by, as we were in this pandemic for so long, we really started to see the need for one another. We had these groups that were popping up. Zoom skyrocketed to bring us together online. We had groups that met in parks, sitting socially distanced away from each other. We had different meetups that took place to where we could just be around each other because we really saw that we do need each other. Amen? And that is presence. That is being with one another. And as we vow to support the church with our presence, I think that is what this is. It's being together. It's being together in worship, and it's also being together in other ways as well, which we will talk about. Because we even saw some of the loneliness and the depression and the different stuff like that skyrocketed as well, going from 24% of people who felt lonely and even depressed went up to 43% in the same year, 2020. So we're going to look at a verse. This is a pretty popular verse when we talk about meeting together. This is out of the book of Hebrews that talks about meeting with one another. This is Hebrews 10, verse 25. It says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return, that being Jesus, is drawing near. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, to which we say, thanks be to God. So this is a text written in Hebrews. We have a good idea that Hebrews was written sometime around 49 to 65 AD. So this is sometime after Jesus has died and resurrected, and there was this expectation of the time that Jesus was going to return. But we can see that the church has been established, but there were some people that were neglecting to meet. There were some people that just weren't coming together like they used to. 
And so this is a call to action from the leaders. Hey, we need to come together. We need to stick it out. But what we don't get is the exact reasons. They don't say, I know you're not coming because this, 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 and this. But if we look at other parts of the text, if we look at other books, we can make some educated guesses on what some of those things were. The first thing was a fear of persecution. Christianity was new in this time. As we read in Acts, it's called the way. And a lot of the believers would come together and they would meet, and they would often do so in secrecy because there was a fear that they would get maybe kidnapped, they would be tortured, or they would even be executed because of this. Again, we see some of this happen in the book of Acts. So they thought, if I don't go into that place, I'm not going to be labeled as one of those Christians, and I can avoid the persecution. Another thing is leadership tension. They had other leaders that were coming in trying to preach these false gospels. Some of these leaders were even rising up from within the congregations that were trying to split them apart. They kind of wanted that fame and that glory, and they kind of said, hey, follow me. And they were splitting the congregations apart. They were splitting this body of believers apart. And I just want to clear something up real quick. I asked Chris, I said, do we have any tension? He hesitated a little bit at the last service, but he ultimately said no. So no leadership tension here at Asbury. Here's a picture of us kind of making amends, maybe after a little fight we had. I'm not going to say which one is which, but we figured it out. So we're good here at Asbury. You don't have to worry about any leadership tension. But again, looking to Acts, this is in the book, uh, this is in the 20th chapter. We see where Paul talks about how there were some false teachers that had come among them. He says, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. So people were staying away, saying, you know, I don't want to be a part of this tension. I don't want to be a part of this mess. I'm just not going to show up. Another reason that people were staying away was heresy, false teachings like some of the things that were being pushed by these teachers, one of which was docetism. Can you all say docetism? Docetism. I love docetism just because I wrote a paper on it. I don't like the ideas of docetism, but I know a lot about it. So you're going to get a quick little divinity school lesson on docetism. So docetism was a Gnostic belief. And the Gnostics kind of saw the world in two parts. They saw it as the spiritual side of things, which they saw as all things good. And then they saw the physical side of things, flesh and the body and everything else like that. And they saw that as bad. Well, in their misreading of Luke 4, there's a moment where Jesus has a crowd that surrounds him, and they get upset with him. They get so upset with him, they attempt to throw him off the cliff because he tells them they're not going to be the only ones who receive the glory of God. So they try to throw him off the cliff, and what it says is Jesus passes through the crowd. Now, the Greek of this means he just continued on. He pushed his way through. But they read this as literally like he floated through the crowd, almost like a phantom or a ghost. So in this Gnostic belief that spiritual things were good and physical things were bad, they just said, well, maybe Jesus didn't have a body. And if Jesus didn't have a physical body, while this brings up a whole heap of trouble when you talk about the death and resurrection of Christ, it also means that, well, if he didn't have a physical body, why should we meet? as a body of believers. 
So this teaching came in, and as people bought into this, this false teaching, they thought, well, we don't need to come together. Jesus didn't actually have a body. So that's just a quick little lesson on docetism, which was one of the reasons that people didn't meet. Next up is discouragement. They were discouraged that Jesus hadn't returned yet, and they were feeling like, well, if he hasn't returned yet, he may never return, and they were just feeling like they were at a loss at this point. And then the last reason was some people just felt that it wasn't essential. It was not an essential part of their faith to come together. And I think this is where we find ourselves today. We find ourselves today with so many things that are clamoring for our attention, so many things that desire us for us to pay attention to it. And we have ourselves, the world, at our fingertips with internet and YouTube and Google and different things like that. I think we just think, you know what, I can do this whole Christianity thing on my own. But just as the pandemic shows, we can't do it on our own. So us showing up in person, us showing up online, us showing up whether we're here in Maitland or all over the world, maybe it's even on Wednesday. As we come together, I think we see how much of a benefit our presence is, not only to ourselves, but to one another. So let's first look at it. Being present in worship, how does it benefit us? Well, first thing is, this is God's house. God is here. And when we show up, we encounter God. We encounter the living God who is with us in this place. And we submit ourselves over to say, God, we're here. Shape us. Mold us. We're listening. And this may be us showing up not as our best selves, maybe even not our full selves. But we're here. We lift our voices in song. We hear other believers singing right next to us. There's a hymn, 519. It says, lift every voice. It says, lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. As we join together this chorus of voices, we are lifting earth and we are lifting heaven and we are bringing it down here to us, with us. As we pray, we have our morning prayer as Pastor Barbara led us. We are encountering God and asking God, come, move in us. And just as we talked about with our youth, this worship, this showing up. Worship is a means of grace, an avenue through which God shapes us and molds us. And again, that doesn't have to be here giving the best selves. This may be if we're here and we are distracted with a million other things, but we're here and we're saying, God, do with us as you wish. And not only that, there's actually health benefits. To showing up. There was a study done in 2021 that showed there is a 29% reduced risk of depression, 33 reduced risk of death and of adolescent drug use, 50% reduced risk of divorce, and 84% reduced risk of suicide. Just showing up as opposed to not. It benefits our spirits but it even benefits our bodies and our minds as well. And also being present in worship, it also benefits others. You think of that? Anybody ever think that my worshiping is benefiting other people? When you show up on Sunday morning, who here thinks, I can't wait to make someone's Sunday morning better? 
Anybody think that? Yeah? Yeah. Because it's true. Yeah. Our presence here could be a benefit to another person. There could be other people here who go, I can't wait to see so-and-so. I can't wait to be with them. Their prayers, their faith, their singing, their presence, their smile. Ah, it fills me with joy. We may be a blessing to other people more than we may ever know it. Because as Will Willimon reminds us, our worship is not something that we do in private. He says, worship is not a matter, a private matter. It is a public act of communal devotion. When we gather together, we are not just doing our own thing. We are joining with other believers in confessing our faith, praising God, and seeking his blessing. When we come together, when we sign on in YouTube or Facebook, when we watch this video, we see this collective body of believers. The Spirit of God is with us, and it moves through each and every one of us. And just as it benefits ourselves, it benefits us as well. A couple weeks ago, we were in our community group, and we were talking about the previous morning sermon, which was on judgment. And it just so happened to be the morning that I had preached. And it was such a good conversation, somebody like stopped us in the middle of it. Yeah, so it was kind of like, wait, we were, we were talking about that really good sermon. But anyway, they said, hey, can I just stop y'all real quick? And we're thinking, okay, we're not sure where this is going. And he just said, can I just say that because of this group, I get really excited to go to church and see you all on Sunday mornings. I had never thought about somebody else getting excited to see me on Sundays. Yeah. I thought, wow. And I think about it. I mean, it's true. I get excited about seeing other people. I get excited about being with you all. I get excited about Sunday mornings when I get to stand up here and I say, greet each other with the peace of Christ. And we have to like wrangle y'all back in sometimes because y'all are having so much fun. That is support. That is presence. That is showing up as a thriving community. But also, our presence doesn't just happen here on Sunday mornings. It happens beyond as well. It happens in homes and in hospital rooms. It happens over the phone, maybe in a car ride, sitting next to somebody, maybe holding their hand after a diagnosis after the loss of a loved one, after a job loss. Maybe it's sitting with someone and celebrating with tears of joy as they got a good diagnosis, or they had a new family member, a grandchild, a baby, whatever, enter into their family. Our presence is when we sit with one another in the good times and the bad times, and we get to celebrate. Well, during the pandemic, one thing that the NBA did was do their best to keep things going. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember the bubble that was over in Disney? They collected all the players and the staff and the coaching personnel, and they shipped them all over to Disney, and everybody stayed in this bubble, they called it. And they had their games. They even got through playoffs, and they finished the season. Well, as they saw, just as we saw, even these stars who were being filmed every single night had the same struggles that we did. There was one star, his name was Paul George. He plays for the Clippers. He was having a pretty rough go of games, and he finally ends up having a pretty good game. And they interview him, they say, what was it 
that made you play so well tonight? And he was pretty honest, and he said, I think those previous games I suffered because of anxiety and depression, of being alone. It was getting to me. It was starting to make me crack. And he opens up about that, but his coach, Doc Rivers, even says something about it. He says, George and I sat in my room after the game. This is one of the bad games. He just said, we had a long talk. Not at all about basketball, really. And several other players did it, too. Guys were knocking on his door. They just showed up for him. They were just there for him, saying, hey, we're here. We know you're going through a tough time. We just want to let you know that you're not alone. And that's what our presence is. And Paul George even said this about it. He said, I just felt it after the good game. I just felt it. My energy, my spirit was changed. That's all I needed. That's all it needed. So our presence can go beyond Sunday mornings as well, even just sitting with one another. And it's worth noting that this presence is through the good times and the bad. I'm biased. I'm just claiming that right now. Disclaimer. Very biased. But I think things are pretty good here at Asbury. Amen? We have an incredible staff that supports and works so hard. We have great musicians. We have great volunteers. We have a great congregation. We have things really good. Not perfect, but really, really good. And things, I think, as I mentioned, are going really good. But my guess is that wasn't always the case. Maybe some rough patches. My guess is also that may not always be the case. There's going to be times when things get a little bit rough and rocky. My time here is not promised. Chris's time here is not promised forever. And so when maybe new pastors come in, whatever it may be, this isn't an announcement Sunday, I'm just saying that, but whatever it may be, things may not always be 100% to our liking. But our vow of presence is sticking it out even in those rough times. I think about that in marriage vows. You say, through sickness and in health. You think about those who are in the medical field, who take the medical oath, the Hippocratic oath, to take care of patients. You think about lawyers as they go into practicing law. You think about those in the military and their military service, their vow, the oaths that they take. You know, we take these vows so that when things get rough, when things aren't always ideal, they're going to stick with it. And that's just like with our vow, with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. It's sticking with the church even when things aren't ideal. There's a photo of two gentlemen. We have Maurice Roland and we have Miguel Alvarez. Maurice is a cook. Miguel is a janitor. Some time ago, there was an elderly care facility out in California. It was called the Valley Springs Manor. I think what happened is things started to go south a little bit, and I think administration did a pretty good job to keep things together, cover some of it up. Well, long story short, finances were being mismanaged and mishandled. And ultimately, it ended up that the company that ran it went bankrupt. And what happens to employees when the company you work for goes bankrupt? Yeah, 
See you later. All right. Good luck. Well, what happens to the people who are being taken care of when said employees leave? Yeah, they got nothing. They're there, stuck, all alone. Well, these two gentlemen saw that happen, and they decided to go against that. They stuck around when everybody else left, because they saw that these people had nobody. They might not have gotten the same nightly entertainment. They might not have gotten the same amenities that they were used to, but they were fed and they were kept clean until the sheriff and the fire department could eventually step in. I don't think they took a vow or an oath when they took this job, but what they did with their actions is saying that we're going to stick with it even when things are rough. And as we have taken our membership vows to say we're going to stick with this church even when things are rough, with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, our witness, we are saying that same thing. We're going to stick with it. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep showing up. We're going to keep doing all these things so that when we are the community that thrives, it's because of those times we stuck with it when things weren't going so well. Because regardless of what we want to try to do all on our own, what we try to do all by ourselves by YouTubing it or whatever, we cannot replace one another. We cannot replace community on our own. Amen? Amen. Let's stick with it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. God, you are the one who sticks with us when times are tough. You are the one who sticks with us when things are difficult. God, may we look to you in these moments to care for one another, to be there, to show up, to sit with us through the good times and the bad. God, may all these things be for your glory. May we worship you as best as we can, even if it's just showing up. Speak to us. Mold us, shape us, in only the ways you can. Amen.